The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm Allison Childs with the Center for Creative Leadership. Kathy and Relly have helped thousands of people like you become better performers, managers, and leaders with their unique approaches to coaching. Dr. Relly Nadler is a master level certified executive coach with the International Coaching Federation. A psychologist, corporate leadership, and team trainer, Dr. Nadler brings his expertise and emotional intelligence to all his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. Dr. Nadler's Leaders Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers. For more information and free tools by Relly Nadler, go to www.truenorthleadership.com. New York Times bestselling author Kathy Greenberg wins hearts and minds around the world with her internationally acclaimed books on the new science of happiness, including what happy companies know and what happy working mothers know. Kathy is available for a variety of consulting and coaching programs where you can learn to apply her unique happiness equals profit business formula. For more on Kathy's coaching, tools, consulting, and keynote speaking, go to www.h2cleadership.com or www.whathappyworkingmothersknow.com for free tips and downloads. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Glad that you are here. I'm Dr. Rowley Nadler. My esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, is also here. And we are your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. Now, we always have really good guests, and we try to pick their brain and uh, interesting issues. And today, we, our show features Sally uh, Helgeson, an internationally acclaimed author, <clears throat> speaker, consultant, and one of the world's brand name experts on women's leadership. Women see the world through a distinctive lens. What they see is defined by what they notice, what they value, and how they believe the world should be. Yet, because women's ways of seeing have not been recognized, their potential to contribute remains under leverage. In uh, Sally's brilliant and strongly argued new book, The Female Vision, Women's Real Power at Work, Sally and her uh, co-author, Julie Johnson, describe the three elements that shape the female vision and explore the specific benefits uh, that each provides. So this should be fascinating to hear more. As, as being the uh, one male on the call, I always want to know more about the women in my life, how I can better understand them and, and help out. And we have Dr. Kathy Greenberg. And let me just uh, do a quick intro on Kathy, and then we'll, we'll bring her on. Kathy uh, coaches leading executives and entire companies on the applications of her proven happiness equals profit strategies. 
Dr. Greenberg is the co-founder and renowned executive consultancy, H2C, stands for Happy Companies, Healthy People, and the author of multiple bestsellers and a much uh, in-demand conference speaker. Kathy, welcome. Thanks, Relly. It's a pleasure to be with you and with Sally Helgeson today to talk about her fascinating new book. And uh, before we bring Sally on, I'd like to make sure our audience knows who you are, my co-host and partner on this endeavor. And for those of you who um, may know Relly, please uh, forgive the redundancy here, but I think it's so important that you, you, the listener, really recognize that Dr. Relly Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach. And for those of you who don't know, there are only about 625 master certified coaches uh, in the world, and Relly is one of them. He's also a psychologist, a corporate leadership and team trainer, and Dr. Nadler brings his expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. And Dr. Nadler's Leader's Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers in your organization. And his new release, the 2011 version of Leader's Playbook, will be coming soon, so stay tuned. You know, Relly and I really want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders like Sally Helgeson, and provide evidence-based best practices to help you and your teams develop more leaders in your organization. And we know that leaders are the heartbeat of any organization, but most leaders will tend to underperform just because they underestimate how much influence they have over others. But by doing a few things differently, you can dramatically improve your performance and your organizations. And in all of our shows, we bring you something about how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence, and positive psychology strategies to be your best. Something about brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, generation and gender differences that may make your life a little easier with a little insight, work-life balance practices for managing yourself, and more importantly, strategies for managing your boss. And um, really, before we bring Sally on, uh, would you just give our audience a little bit of background on the science of leadership and why we think it's important enough to have a whole show around it? Sure. Um, thanks, Kathy. Well, on uh, leadership development, we talk about leaders, and the reason is is that we know, and this is research-based, that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of the team. There's some teams, and maybe people listening, sometimes the leader may have 90%, but kind of the average is around 50 to 70% influence over the team. And uh, we like to say that emotions are contagious, and the person who is the most contagious is the leader. Therefore, we say they are the emotional thermostat. They set the climate for the team. And one of the keys of being a star performer is to get someone in the top 10%. The top 10% is somewhat of a tipping point, meaning that when you're in the top 10% or you get one of your people in the top 10%, they are um, produce twice as much to the bottom line or the revenue as someone in the 11th and the 89th percentile. And some of the ways to get into the top percent are these emotional intelligence and positive psychology uh, skills and competencies that Kathy and I uh, talk about and teach. Those are the key things, and, and doing a few of those things more so, these micro-initiatives, are some of the keys to get into this top 10%. And if, you're, if that's a journey for you, training is going to help. You know, we know from training 
you'll get a 22% increase in performance. But if you add to it coaching, and Kathy and I are certified coaches, um, you'll go from 22% to 88% uh, improvement in performance. Just highlighting doing a few of these key things. And one way to, to do that is, is to bring Kathy and I into your organization and develop some of these coaching networks in your organization so that people are coaching each other. And studies show that happiness and the more happy people are is tied to profit by more than 93%. So if you're interested in more information from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com. And my website is www.truenorthleadership.com. Check our websites because Kathy and I are collaborating on the Excel Institute, and you'll be kind of seeing and hearing more about that. It's an amazing day here at Leadership Development News for me. One, because uh, I am one of the big, uh, I think, fans of uh, of Sally Holgerson's work, uh, having recently come into the women's leadership arena with what happy working mothers know. And um, I think it's also a great day because Sally is going to share some of her insights as both a leader but also a leader of leaders. So let me just introduce Sally, uh, and then we'll get started on our our guest's uh, interview. So Sally Helgeson is an internationally acclaimed author, speaker, and consultant, and one of the world's brand name experts on women's leadership. Her most recent book, The Female Vision, Women's Real Power at Work, explores how women's perceptual insights can transform organizations. She is also the author of the best-selling The Female Advantage, Women's Ways of Leadership, hailed as the classic work on women's leadership style, translated into 14 languages, and continually in print for 20 years. An earlier book, The Web of Inclusion, A New Architecture for Building Great Organizations, was cited in the Wall Street Journal as one of the best books on leadership of all time. Sally develops and delivers leadership programs for corporations, partnership firms, universities, and nonprofits around the globe. She has consulted with the United Nations Development Program on strengthening women's programs in Africa and Asia. She's led seminars at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, Smith College, and has been a visiting scholar at Northwestern University and the Lauriston Institute in Melbourne, Australia. Articles about Sally's work have been featured in Fortune, The New York Times, Fast Company, and Business Week, just to name a few, and she has appeared on hundreds of television and radio shows as an expert on the subject. She is a contributing editor to the magazine Strategy and Business and a member of the New York Women's Forum, and Sally, I am honored to call you friend. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Kathy. Thank you for inviting me. So, Sally, typically we, we like to get a little inside look into folks about who's been most influential in your life, you know, as far as leaders go. And that, that always kind of allows us to kind of situate some of the things you're going, to get, you're going to get into, kind of where that's coming from. I think the two thinkers that have had the biggest impact on my work have been, number one, Peter Drucker, uh, who I was privileged and very fortunate to meet when he was still alive, uh, because Peter was instrumental in really, I think, looking at how major changes in the world, in our economy, the technology, and demographics, impact how people live and work, 
how organizations function, and what the greatest capabilities for leaders really should be in, in organizations as they change. I've also been very much influenced by the work of Carol Gilligan, who wrote the classic book, A Different Voice, which was really the first to explore how women's values, in some cases, differed from those of men, and to point out the way in which expectations in our culture favored male values. Gilligan's book was really instrumental in uh, helping me to write uh, the first book in this leadership series I've been uh, working on for the last 20 years, The Female Advantage, uh, because it freed me to explore what women's leadership strengths were. Sally, as you're talking um, about influential people and how you got to be where you are, as you think about your career in supporting women in the workplace, where, how, how did you get to where you are? What brought you to, to that place in time where you have been so successful? It was really a highly individual journalist, I mean, a highly individual journey. I came at this as a journalist and as a writer. This was not my academic field. I didn't get a Ph.D. in organizational development, nor did I pursue women's studies. Um, my academic background had actually been in comparative religion, and I was pursuing a Ph.D., and I decided that uh, I wanted to give myself a rest and enter the contemporary world, and so I became a journalist for what I thought would be, be for a few years. Um, I became fascinated by organizations and by how women worked within them when I was doing some speech writing in the middle and late 80s uh, for large corporations. I, first of all, became fascinated by organizations and how they structured and how they worked. Having come in as a journalist, I always felt a bit like an outsider, an observer. Um, secondly, I saw firsthand how poor even great organizations often were at using women's best strengths. And yeah. I decided to write about that. So, Sally, we're going to um, follow up with this in just a moment. So, uh, thanks, and then we'll probably get into telling us a little bit more about your book. Um, this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? 
do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking to author Sally Helgeson. Sally, before the break, you were talking about how you were a journalist by trade and somehow you were uh, on a journey to learn about this subject and you have become an expert since then. Tell us about the new book that you are featuring right now, The Female Vision, Women's Real Power at Work, and why you wrote it. I'm very excited about this new book. Uh, the new book, The Female Vision, looks at the strategic and visionary strengths that women bring to organizations. And I really look at it as almost a fulfillment of the work that I began 20 years ago in The Female Advantage, um, which was published in 1990, when I was looking at what the capabilities and operational strengths were that women brought as leaders to organizations. In the 20 years since then, a lot of women's skills and strengths and capabilities have become much more accepted in organizations, and women have become much more integrated into organizations as a result. But what the last couple years have really driven home to me and also to my co-author, Julie Johnson, who is an executive coach also, is that women are still often frustrated at the top and strategic level at getting their best ideas understood and recognized in organizations, even though they're becoming over 50% of employees or in organizations. They're still stymied there. And my co-author, Julie, and I decided we really wanted to look at what some of the deeper cultural issues were, and the result is the female vision. Well, Sally, that's a great uh, primer uh, uh, you know, for me and I'm sure for our listeners, too. So um, with that, so what, are, what have you found that are some of the main common issues that you see most facing people today you know, on, the, uh, on this subject? You know, so you say for it's listening, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. I'm not sure where that listening came from, but the, 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 the skills and strengths that I think women bring most strongly to organizations that have been recognized over the last 20 years are, first of all, skill in building great relationships. And this is a, a capacity and a skill that has become much more important over the last 20 years. Uh, as even uh, as every kind of organization seeks to focus more on customers and its relationships that it has in the marketplace. Um, women's comfort with direct communication has become more and more of an advantage given 
the way in which the technology has evolved to really support and demand uh, direct communication. Women have become more women's skill at uh, leading from the center and putting themselves in the center of organizations has become more recognized and valued. And finally, and I think this is often underappreciated, women's um, women's refusal to really compartmentalize their lives, but draw on both their uh, their information from their personal lives, bring that into the workplace and vice versa, has become more and more of an advantage uh, as we've moved into a 24-7 workplace. So in all those ways, I think what the skills women bring have become more recognized and more appropriate, but there's still work to do at the strategic level. Sally, this is fascinating to me because in the practical application of what we call leadership development, we have, and really correct me if I'm wrong, tried to help leaders distinguish between uh, themselves as leaders in the workplace and themselves as leaders outside the workplace. And while I'm not necessarily agreeing with that philosophy, it seems that all leadership development is now focused on the integration of the whole self, the whole brain. And this distinctive style of women in particular uh, is a, uh, an exceptional, uh, I want to say exceptional positive trait um, which has been emphasized, I think, more for women than for men. And i just like some clarification on that. I agree with that. I think there are two things going on. I think, first of all, the whole field of leadership development, as you point out, is really being transformed by our understanding uh, from neuroscience. And one of the things, I mean, we, we, we get into some really wonderful um, new neuroscientific research, mostly being done at Columbia or UCLA in the book, which indicates that women's, uh, women have a more robust uh, tendency to integrate information from different sources and put it together to synthesize it and use that information as they make decisions. And I think that because of what we're learning in the neuroscientific field, that capacity is really becoming more recognized and more valued. One of the things that, one of the pieces of research we picked up on in the book is that observation in a neuroscience lab that women's notice, the way in which women notice things tends to operate more like radar, taking in a lot of information at once, whereas men's often operates more as a laser, looking, focusing very narrowly and deeply. And I think what we're finding is that the over-focus on the laser way of of um, the overfocus on the laser way of noticing inhibits organizations that really need to be much more nimble and thoughtful in a global environment. We're really moving to a time where we need this, what some people are calling gender bilingualism, in order to really flourish and develop the kind of leaders we need. So say a little bit more about what what is a, a uh, gender bilingualism, you know, and and how would and how would that look in I organizations? Think, I think a gender bilingualism 
um, is it manifests in an organization as a comfort at the leadership level with identifying and developing the different the different capacities and the different ways of noticing analyzing information and data and valuing the experience of work that men and women have but also finds and promotes the commonalities between those so i think a genu- genuinely bilingual uh, gender bilingual leaders are those who really have an appreciation for the diverse uh, thinking, seeing, and valuing styles that people bring to organizations and know how to harness those in a common effort. And this has not necessarily characterized uh, organizations in the industrial era or in the period that we've just been through of a transition to what Peter Drucker called a post-industrial uh, economy. So I think that we're at a frontier where we're really recognizing that we need different kinds of capabilities in leaders, more, more development of intuitive and, as you point out, emotional um, intelligence and an ability to draw on that while also drawing on some of the analytical skills that have been traditionally perhaps overprivileged in organizations. When you think about some of the most common issues you see all people facing on the subject of leadership today, what are some of the most common issues you see still facing women more so than men? I think that the biggest issues that are still facing women are that women often are still sometimes prone to accept a dominant leadership model as completely appropriate. The the response that I got from the female advantage where I began to articulate, and that was really the first time in the marketplace where anyone had suggested that capacities and skills that women had might actually provide an advantage to organization rather than be a handicap and something women needed to overcome. By suggesting that, what I often heard from women, and I've heard this for 20 years and I still hear it, which is, I always thought that my way of doing things was just my way of doing things. I didn't really recognize it was a leadership capacity. And I think that that having that um, inexperience, perhaps, with recognizing how, for, for, for women, with recognizing how often your deepest insights and clearest observations really have value um, in the organization and that there's something that the organization needs to hear. I think that that's, that's one of the big challenges for women going forward is to get comfortable with the authenticity um, of what they notice and to giving voice to that in an organization in a way that really um, makes clear why that information would be valuable to, to the company. Now, Sally, one of the things that I know we all want to hear about is um, more on this uh, strengths and skills 
and this vision thing. Uh, one of the, the hot topics, obviously, uh, that you're surfacing here is how women envision for the future, and it may be very different from our male um, colleagues. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back so that I'll give you some time to think about that. You're listening to Leadership Development News, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whathappyworkingmothersknow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Today we're talking with Sally Helgeson, and she's a call co-author of the book, The Female Vision, Women's Real Power at Work, uh, and she's a co-author with Julie Johnson. You can get the book. It just came out June 15th, so still uh, very, very hot off the press, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and, you know, regular places where you can, you can get it. So we want to zero in, Sally, a little bit more into <clears throat> the book and some of the content. Now, you talk about there's three uh, elements of the vision. Is that right? Yes. Uh, what we did was, based on our research, we identified three elements that, t- uh, that tend to be distinctive about how women see things, what women's vision is. Now, and, and, of course, as always, in this kind of discussion, we need to preface it by saying these are generalizations and they're always exceptions. They're women who tend to see things more uh, in a way that is a tra- we might define as a traditionally male way, and there are certainly men who also have a, a, a way of viewing things in the world 
that we're describing more as typically female. But given that caveat, what we found is there are three distinctive elements that define the female vision. The first is how women notice, and I talked a little bit about that earlier, that women tend to have what we call a broad-spectrum notice and to notice a lot of things that are going on at the same time. And you see this in organizations all the time, and often that the broad-spectrum notice is undervalued because it's seen as bringing in observations that are beside the point. You'll be in a meeting, and afterwards, a guy, you know, a guy will say to, the, to uh, his female colleague, so what did you think of the numbers we put up there? And she'll say something like, I thought they were good, but did you notice how Dan in the back of the room didn't seem engaged? And the guy will think, well, why is she bringing that up? I asked her about, you know, how the numbers play out. I want her on board on this project. And the woman will think, well, you know, on one hand, it's important that Dan be on board in this effort, that he not be disengaged, but maybe I said the wrong thing and I shouldn't have said that, and he sees the observation as beside the point. So, so there's this capacity for noticing a lot of things at once, for taking the emotional temperature in the room and, and to being open to information that comes in through the five senses. Um, that's the first element. The second element is the way of analyzing that information. Women will, and, and I'm sure, really, in your work with emotional intelligence, you look at this kind of thing all the time. Women will often tend to analyze information in a big, in a broad context what it means for them, what it means for other people, without necessarily focusing exclusively on the quantitative implications. You know, the data tells us this, and therefore this, you know, this, is, this is how we should understand this information. It will often be put in a, in a, broader, uh, a broader context. But thirdly, and I found, I found this particularly fascinating, and this, we, uh, Julie and I ran out a big data study on this um, and, and, and began to gather information on it, that, that women tend to value work somewhat differently and to value work that provides them, and this goes, Kathy, so much to your happiness, um, to your happiness expertise, to value work that that they perceive as satisfying on a day-to-day basis, whereas what we found is that men are more typically uh, likely to value work because uh, it satisfies a competitive goal that they set or they feel that the perks and the privileges that are being offered make it worth it. And this is one reason you often hear women who leave what look on the surface like great jobs, they'll say it just wasn't worth it. And that's because they did not perceive that they were experiencing satisfaction and happiness in their day-to-day. And I think this is really important because organizations typically expect that people, especially at a leadership level, will place a higher value upon the perks and privileges than the actual quality of their days. And that if we've, uh, Marshall Goldsmith wrote the introduction to our book, and we were sitting around talking about this one, one evening, and he said when the quality of work is very negative, 
men suck it up and women will get depressed. And I think there's a little truth in that, but there's a big cost to men of sucking it up. And as our workplace becomes more intense because of 24-7 technologies, people are going to have to find a way to feel more satisfaction in their work and take more joy in the actual experience of it rather than necessarily saying, okay, this is miserable now, but, you know, I'm on track to achieve X, Y, Z, and therefore this is satisfying. Now, Sally, I just want to encapsulate a couple of things because you said a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> No, no, it's good stuff. I just want to make sure I'm hearing correctly and that the audience is hearing correctly. So the point, the first and most important point that I heard is often when a woman is asked to give a perspective on something, she's not necessarily on or off target. She's just incorporating other variables <clears throat> into the answer. So a leader who asks you a question about what you think about that as the vision, who then gets an answer about somebody who wasn't necessarily listening with all of their heart and soul, is part of the, well, you know, I hear you and I'm, I'm on board with you. I'm just not sure if you're being mindful that you have all stakeholders' attention. Okay, so that's point number one. Yes. Point number two is um, absolutely positively women want work that nourishes them. And if they feel in the workplace that they're not being nourished by the work and their environment, they will trigger, to Relly's point about emotional intelligence, more quickly than their male counterparts in some instances. Yes. Okay. And the third component is when we experience true quality in our work, we do have a more engaged and more profound level of effectiveness. Correct. I think that's a perfect encapsulation of what I was saying. Outstanding. And, um, Sally, just to kind of bring us to a couple other things, so your, your second comment about how women may... Uh, analyze things a little differently, and I think that is consistent with things we know, you know, popular assessments, Myers-Briggs, about 60% of women are more are kind of feeling-oriented, where 60% of men are more thinking, and it is kind of how we make decisions, you know, and if more men are thinking about logical analysis, women are, are taking in a little bit, like you said, your purview, taking in a little bit more of the world that brings in the relationships, and that's why this Emotional intelligence is so important that, that women may do that a little bit more naturally, just being aware. And I love what you're saying about uh, the field of vision, that they may notice that stuff where the man may be zeroing in on, on some more logical analysis. You know, one way of looking at that is, is quick to analyze, quick to appreciate, and that, you know, that women may be on the quick to appreciate side a little bit more. Oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. I think there's also... I think one of the legacies going forward of the financial crisis that began in the fall of 2008 is going to be generally in organizations a little bit greater skepticism about a little bit greater skepticism about the how well indicate um, whether a certain uh, a uh, path will be uh, successful in, in the future and going forward. What we saw in the financial crisis was a lot of organizations that looked like they had the numbers, but they had them off target, and they were just and the numbers were used to justify services and products that really did not create value in the marketplace and indeed uh, destroyed it. Uh, Michael, De- uh, Michael Lewis. Um, 
in uh, in looking at you know one of the the, the primary uh, chroniclers of the financial crisis um, made an interesting observation. He said one of the most distinctive aspects about the financial meltdown was how little women had to do with it, and how and that is a reflection of how little leadership women had in the extremely quantitatively oriented financial institutions that were implicated in the crisis. So I think that that there's going to be a greater appreciation in the marketplace for people who are not quite as exclusively bottom-lined oriented in in terms of how they analyze or information. When we think about the benefits of these elements, how would you how would you rank them and and what might they be? I think the primary benefits for organizations are, first, more information. When you are able to value both broad-spectrum and narrow-spectrum ways of noticing, you're taking in a lot more information about the marketplace. I was interested to notice that uh, Jeff Immelt, the chair and CEO of um, GE, recently said that one of the prime leadership capabilities they're going to seek uh, to foster in the future is going to be what he called, quote, the ability to see around corners. You need both broad spectrum and narrow spectrum notice to do that. You need a broad, you need a wide and deep range of information. So I would say more information. Secondly, more ways of analyzing the information you get more ways of understanding what the implications are. So I think that's, that's, that's another very strong advantage. And then I think also um, that, that recognizing the importance for organizations of people having a satisfying workplace experience and the role that that plays in motivation and engagement and bringing your really best thinking to the market, uh, to the workplace. Sally, I'm going to ask you to pause right there. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News, so come right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 
Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Um, this is Dr. Rowley Nadler. I'm with Dr. Kathy Greenberg. And today, uh, we're talking with Sally Helgeson. And she just has written the female vision that you can get at uh, Amazon and and Barnes and Noble. And Sally, why don't you give out your uh, your website right now, and then we'll also do it at the end of the show too. Sounds good. My website is www.sallyhelgeson.com. Nice and easy. Um, not nice and easy isn't part of it. It's sallyhelgeson.com. <laughs> and uh, my email is sally at sallyhelgeson.com, and Helgeson spelled with all E's. All E's. Okay, good. And um, that's because you're very easy to deal <laughs> with, so all E's. So what we'd like to do is to zero in on, on some of the key skills required for women today uh, and those who, who manage them in the coming years. What do you think... Uh, those are, and then especially if for the men listening, what kind of skills would they need to have? Exactly. I think this is a really important area for men to think about as well in terms of managing and developing women leaders. What are the, what are the real strengths and skills uh, that women bring to organizations that are going to be more and more important in the years to come? We've looked at how some of this relationship building and uh, comfort with direct communication have served women over the last 20 years. What I believe are, I believe that there will be four skills that women bring that will be most important um, as organizations develop in a way that's appropriate for this global economy. First of all, I think it's that ability that I mentioned before, drawing on what Jeff Immelt articulated, is that ability to be able to see around the corners, to bring a lot of diverse information to how they analyze problems. Secondly, I think that 
uh, in order to position themselves for leadership, and this is going to be true for, for men and women both, but, but, but potential leaders in this environment are really going to need a stronger understanding of how demographic, economic, and technological changes are impacting and altering the organizational landscape, but also the possibilities, the opportunities, and the challenges for their particular sector, whatever sector they're in, whether it's manufacturing, whether it is building faith communities, whether it is leading military units, whether it is running a professional services firm. I think that having that broader understanding is going to be more and more important. Thirdly, I think for women, I talked earlier about women's strength in building relationships. Women have not traditionally been probably quite as astute in leveraging relationships as they have been in building them. They create strong relationships, but often, not always, often women who are at less than a leadership level will be reluctant to think about using those relationships in a win-win business context. So I think being able to leverage relationships is one of the key skills that women will will need to work on developing. There are obviously some women who are terrific at it, but um, but I do notice that there's an insufficiency there. And finally, I think women are going to um, benefit the more that they can develop a comfortable and strong and assuring confident leadership presence, which I think has, to some extent, been underemphasized in organizations. Sally, if there's, um, if there's one thing that women take away from this book and one thing that men take away from this book, what is it? I think it may be different. I think for women, the primary message in the female vision is be authentic. Dare to share what you notice, but frame it in a way that makes clear why you think it's valuable for your organization. To the extent that you can do that, you can feel great, you can be empowered, but you can also feel greater engagement uh, and 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 greater passion for the work you do by really connecting to what is most authentic in what you notice and value. And I think the message for men that I most hope to, that Julie and I most hope to convey and get across is recognize that especially as organizations are changing to adapt to a very diverse, fast-changing global environment, it is wise if you aspire to a leadership position to get comfortable understanding and valuing the different kinds of skills that women often but not always bring, the different kinds of leadership capacities and styles. At the top in organizations, there is still too much uniformity of thought and values. And organizations often feel 
that they're really getting diversity because they have a lot of diverse-looking people demographically. But to the extent that those people have a, have really um, extremely similar values and ways of operating, that's not diversity. And I think that 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 really is going to be one of the challenge for organizations going forward. I think there's something else also that's important here is that by recognizing and learning to be comfortable unleashing at women's different approaches, I think the next generation of leaders will also prepare itself for some of the differences in, va- in values that are already manifesting among the youngest generation of workers who are much more individualistic and sure of the value they can provide than the, the dominant uh, workplace generation is now. So, Sally, this, this is all uh, great stuff for our, our audience to hear. And so let's take it down a little bit in, in a sense of what can the average woman do to, to help get ahead or, or for maybe in some cases is to, is to stay ahead. Well, I think that, that what I said before is that, that, that being authentic and, and, and daring to share, uh, what you really notice and what you really value and, uh, and speaking up about it in, in your organization is, is going to, it, it, it can be frightening if you feel, um, if you feel isolated, but it's going to be, I think, more and more important a way of articulating your value. But the other thing I think that, that is, is helpful for women who are maybe struggling to get a foothold in this leadership place, space is to be very intentional about enlisting allies in their effort. You can't do it alone. You need allies. You need champions. You need mentors. You need, as you point out, coaches. Um, we, talk, we do talk in the book about the power of peer coaching and the way in which very intentional development of, of uh, peer coaching relationships in your organization but also in your personal life can be enormously supportive and, and helpful to, to you as an individual. So I think that... It's, it's become increasingly difficult to look at what your career plan is devoid of also looking at who are the people who are going to go with me on this journey and how are we going to help each other. When you look at where women have come from yes. in the time that you've been writing these books and where women are now, as this new book unfolds, where do you think women need to be focused to be successful going forward? Um, I, I felt that there were two parts to that question. Could you reframe it? Um, well, the, the first part is coming from where you've come, Yes. writing these books, knowing what you know, and looking at where women are going from this point forward. Ah. What do you think is most important for them to focus on? I think it's important, and I think this, is, this is, is not done enough. I think it's important to recognize how difficult what we're trying to do is. 
we're really trying to change the paradigm of how we understand leadership in the marketplace. And progress in that, that's a big undertaking, is going to be slow. I know that there are a lot of colleagues who do the work that I do who feel discouraged and impatient. I feel as if the progress that has been made over the, 20, the last 20 years since I entered this field has been astonishing and breathtaking, not only because women are so much more integrated into the workplace, but also because the kinds of skills that were looked upon really askance 20 years ago are now considered mainstream skills, like the relationship piece of it. So I feel very, very encouraged. I feel that historically it is enormously fortunate that women have become integrated into organizations at a time when the demands on leadership are changing and we need something new. We don't need the same old people doing the same old things the same old way. So I'm very, very encouraged about what the future holds for women and, as a result, for organizations and for men. Well, Sally, Sally been... yeah, you've been outstanding. Raleigh, I know uh, you have some comments here you'd like to make. <laughs> yes, this has, been, this has been great. And uh, people can get your book at uh, Amazon. Barnes & Noble, your website, www.sallyhelgeson.com. Email sally at sallyhelgeson.com. Correct. And, Kathy, you want to bring us home here? You know, this, is, this has been terrific, Sally. Thank you so much for drawing on your original research. Um, I know it was co-sponsored by the National Council for Research on Women, a huge organization, thanks to them. Yes. Thanks to the wonderful support of all the talented women who helped you demonstrate this behavior and for capturing it in this great book. I hope uh, everyone will read The Female Vision, Women's Real Power at Work, and that's by Sally Helgeson and Julie Johnson with a foreword by Marshall Goldsmith. Thanks, Sally. We appreciate it. My pleasure. It was wonderful to be here. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.